Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. My name's Rick Samprin. More expansion at the Hamilton Airport, another call to reform Canada's electoral process. Hamilton's mayor responds to allegations of a cover-up in the city's Sewergate scandal. Some Hamilton businesses are openly defying Ontario's COVID-19 vaccine certificate system. Supercrawl is going to rock the bayfront. And Britney Spears is back in the news. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast starts now. Wake up with the information you need to get the most out of your day. You're listening to Good Morning Hamilton with Rick Zamperin on 900 CHML. Big day at the Hamilton Airport yesterday where international shipping giant DHL celebrated the opening of its new Hamilton Gateway facility. Joining us on GMH to talk about it is Daryl Wetlaufer. He's the VP of DHL Express Canada Operations. Good morning, Daryl. I see him on the phone. Daryl, do we have you? Good morning. Hey, good morning, Rick. Hey, there you are. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Sorry about for having us this morning. Hey, thanks for coming on. We have uh, obviously some gremlins in our phone system this morning. <laughs> uh, I've been given a, a little preview of the Hamilton Gateway facility. What can you tell us about it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been an exciting 24 hours for us uh, here at DHL. Yesterday was our official grand opening of our uh, first fully automated uh, gateway uh, sort system in Canada. It's, uh, as you mentioned, uh, 240,000 square foot facility with the processing capacity of up to 28,000 shipments an hour just gives us real flexibility to grow into the future and it it anchors our our Canadian infrastructure uh, in Hamilton to support growth for for years to come. And I said as well, you know, this announcement to expand the facility was made in October 2019, obviously before the pandemic. Given the massive demand on the shipping industry during the pandemic, this was an incredible decision. Yeah, we, we started the discussions with Hamilton Airport in late 2017. So this was a, a need pre-pandemic. We had been growing uh, for the last 10 years, double digits uh, annually. Um, and then obviously great timing um, from an infrastructure standpoint to have this ready, not only not only to handle the, the significant... Daryl, do we still have you or did we lose you? I think Daryl's breaking out a bit. Daryl, if you can hear me, how much volume can this facility handle? Uh, we can handle up to 28,000 shipments an hour um, in our long-term growth uh, capacity. So why is Hamilton such an integral shipping hub? What what makes this city and this airport in particular and this facility an integral piece to the DHL puzzle? Hamilton offered us real flexibility in terms of what, what we needed uh, for long-term growth. Um, you know, they have, they have great opportunity airside for infrastructure growth, uh, 24-hour landing capability, um, and, and the ability to have on-site customs presence, which for an, for an import-export business is critically important. Um, and not only that, we've had a really good relationship with the city of Hamilton in terms of driving policy and helping us, helping us grow our business for the future. So Hamilton is a really, really important partner for us. So what's being shipped in and out of the city? I guess everything under the sun. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been interesting. During the pandemic, obviously, we've seen a significant, uh, significant increase in e-commerce. Uh, but also traditional B2B business is growing as well. So we see, uh, you know, our, the banking sector continues to grow. Our oil and gas industry continues to grow. Um, so it's kind of coming from all directions, but certainly certainly driven by, uh, by, by e-commerce. Given, you know, all the success, are there challenges or roadblocks ahead that uh, DHL, Hamilton Airport, the city of Hamilton, trying to overcome? I think we're, we're, we're situated quite well with the city of Hamilton and the Hamilton Airport in terms of their capability to grow with us into the future. Obviously, um, we've, had, we've had challenges uh, and stressful days through the pandemic, but 
I think the real important thing is is our team in Hamilton and our team in DHL across Canada has really been really been resilient and often often overlooked as as frontline heroes during the pandemic. But uh, but certainly they've they've come through for us. Is there any talk of further expansion at the airport? Uh, we we built this facility to be uh, to be able to handle a twenty year growth. So um, from an airport perspective, we're pretty solid. But from a Canadian infrastructure perspective, we're we're definitely a growing business. Um, we've got uh, we've got a new facility in Halifax that we're opening up in the next you know, thirty days, um, and then future growth in Vancouver, Montreal, and Toronto as well. So we're anchored in Hamilton and ready to grow across the country. It's great to see uh, grow mode in full effect uh, with DHL. Daryl, really appreciate the time. Apologies again for the phone gremlins, but it was nice to uh, chat with you today. Right. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate it. Daryl Wetloffer, VP of DHL Express Canada Operations, giving us some uh, information on the new Hamilton Gateway facility at the Hamilton Airport, which is able to uh, field a lot more packages, that's for sure. And we're seeing a lot more packages uh, flying across the country and around the world. How about some news and opinion to go with your coffee? This is Good Morning Hamilton with Rick Zamperin on 900 CHML. On the heels of a federal election that no one really wanted, you know, except if you were the Prime Minister or the Liberal Party, which, by the way, generated 62% voter turnout. That's the fifth lowest in Canadian history. The group Democracy Watch is calling for democratic changes to the federal political system. Duff Conacher is the co-founder of Democracy Watch, and he joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Duff. Hello. Hi. You're pleading for several changes to be made to our electoral system, what's at the top of the list? Top of the list would be um, an honesty in politics law to uh, give voters a reason to vote because they'll know that what they're voting for is what they will get after the election. Even people who vote for the winners, usually uh, the ruling party that uh, wins violates about uh, and breaks about half their promises, and that's very discouraging for people to even when you vote for the winning party you don't get what you want so that's a very important change and also would clean up our elections and make them much more fair and democratic if everyone had to be honest through the elections instead of making false claims about each other and false promises to voters to bait them to vote for them sounds like an impossible dream well (laughs) the green party actually promised a truth in advertising law this election first party to go there and uh and promise it, uh, although uh, out in, in uh, Newfoundland, uh, the PC party promised an honest honesty in politics rule about promises uh, during the last provincial election there. So, you know, I don't know why politicians won't do this, because uh, every survey shows that 80% plus of Canadians want this, and uh, they're, they're sick of the spin and, and counterspin and political misleaders. They want political leaders who are telling the truth. Would there be, I mean, if this was enacted, would there be penalties with this sort of thing, if if they were dishonest or they didn't follow suit on a political promise? Yes, unless they could show that conditions had changed in an unforeseen way. Uh, there would be a very severe penalty. We're proposing one year's salary for the uh, party leader. Would uh, If they made a false promise, they would have to pay a penalty of one year's salary. And the party, because they elected this misleader, would also have to pay the same penalty. And that would discourage parties from 
uh, electing misleaders as the head of their party. But Along- there's several other changes we need as well. Yeah, and uh, we're going to get to a lot of the things that you're calling for, and one of those call kind of finds uh, a place within the you know ethics ground, and that's where you want federal political ethics to be strengthened. How do we do that? Well, very simply, we make it illegal to take part in decisions when you have a financial conflict of interest, and it's actually legal now. The uh, federal law is called the Conflict of Interest Act, has a similar similar name across the country, and and also with uh, municipalities across provinces. Uh, but they all have a huge loophole, which actually, and, and the laws really should be called the almost impossible to be in a conflict of interest act, because uh, 99% of the time, the law doesn't apply. If you are dealing with something that applies generally, and almost every single law applies generally, then you cannot be in a conflict of interest. You're exempt from the rules in these uh, ethics laws. And... Uh, that allows ministers, for example, the finance minister can own a million dollars worth of stock in a bank and be changing the banking law in a way that will help that bank make more money, and it, that is legal, and that's legal across the country for ministers, uh, the most powerful decision makers in government, and also top government officials, to actually have investments in uh, the companies that they are regulating. And, and in secret, we're not even allowed to know that they hold those investments. Our guest this morning on Good Morning Hamilton is Duff Conacher, co-founder of Democracy Watch. We're chatting about ways to reform Canada's electoral system to get uh, more honest politicians on uh, the ballot. Um, You also are proposing a none-of-the-above option. Do you want to explain this? Yes. uh, Well, voter turnout is very low, and uh, so a, a way to also get some people out to the ballot who don't come out now people who have been disgusted by broken promises or just you know, don't think any of the candidates or parties deserve to be in power, uh, is uh, to allow them to vote none of the above. And also, uh, we're proposing that at the bottom of the ballot, if, if you voted none of the above, you could write a one-line reason, and Elections Canada would report those reasons out in different categories. You know, if you said that the... Uh, the environmental platforms weren't strong enough of any of the parties or whatever consumer protection platforms or you just thought they were all too dishonest, whatever. And that would give great information and feedback back to the political parties about why those people are voting none of the above. And then hopefully they would respond and change their platforms honestly to try and attract those voters. I would certainly make a statement if that none of the above option garnered, I don't know, two, three, four, five percent of the popular vote. Yes, especially when you have elections decided by those margins uh, in Canada right now. Uh, if if the Conservatives or Liberals had received a couple of percentage points more, um, the Liberals might have had a majority, the Conservatives might have won. So um, hopefully it would uh, encourage them to reach out to those people who are not voting now and also give those people a reason to go to the polls. Then we'd get a much more accurate uh, impression because most people assume voters who don't turn out are not interested. They're apathetic. But actually, I think a lot of them are very interested. They're just disgusted from seeing decades of misleaders and politicians who are unethical, secretive, unrepresentative, dishonest, or wasteful. We only got about a minute to go, Duff. Uh, Fixed election date. Why is this important to have? It makes the election more fair for everybody. And uh, it also... uh, means that it really stops an abuse of power by the Prime Minister calling a snap election, as Trudeau did this summer, 
really just because he was high in the polls and had a chance to get out of the minority government situation and, and get a false majority where he'd win a majority of seats in the House but not actually have majority support from voters. And uh, it's a waste of money to have these snap elections whenever the Prime Minister wants it. We're a parliamentary democracy. We're supposed to be ruled by Parliament. Parliament uh, didn't want to have an election. All the opposition parties were against it, and one MP, even if that MP is the PM, the Prime Minister, should not be allowed to thwart the will of Parliament and call a snap election. And we do have a snap election law. We're challenging uh, Trudeau's snap election call in court as a violation of that law. And uh, we need to fix it, though, even more uh, specifically and, and clearly uh, and really make sure that uh, the Prime Minister can't do this ever. And uh, that would make the elections more fair because everyone can plan their lives and get ready for an election if they want to be a candidate or even a volunteer. Whereas in this election, it was really hard in the middle of the summer, lots of people on holidays, and then coming back and anyone with kids is still crazy busy trying to get their life started and yet an election happened. So that good. really hurts uh, yeah. voter participation in every way. Very much so. Duff, we'll have to leave it there. Really appreciate the time. Enjoy your day. Thank you very much. Take care. You too. Stay Duff safe. Conacher, uh, co-founder of Democracy Watch, joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton. Serving up a healthy dose of news, traffic, and engaging opinion. This is Good Morning Hamilton with Rick Zamperin on 900 CHML. It showed council passing a motion to keep a report called the Chidoke Creek contamination report confidential. So it seemed like kind of a routine thing, but it showed them verbally all voting on it and no one being opposed to keeping the information confidential. And then a second clip showing them doing the same thing when they were given a verbal report at the very last council meeting before the election. That is community advocate Cameron Kretsch, who was a guest on Good Morning Hamilton yesterday, sharing a video on social media the other day that claims the Sewergate scandal in the city was a big cover-up, and the video claims to show that city councillors voted to keep the spill of 24 billion liters of sewage and untreated wastewater into Shadow Creek confidential. He told the show that he posted the video after it was announced on Friday that two key figures uh, from the city's public works department during that time no longer work at City Hall. Now, no reason has been given for why Public Works GM Dan McKinnon and uh, Director of Water Andrew Grice are no longer employed. And Crutch says he hopes McKinnon and Grice aren't being made as scapegoats. Well, here to give the other side of the story is Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger, who joins Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Hamilton. Uh, what's your reaction to this video and the claims of a cover-up? So, firstly, this video is not an unbiased piece of uh, journalism. It was made by an unsuccessful candidate for council and is being distributed by an interest group dedicated to defeating uh, the, in the next election every member of council that is. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, not transparent group. Uh, it's not a group that has identified completely its membership and doesn't really identify where the funding is coming from. I've said that, uh, you know, we, uh, can, you know, this is not a simple issue. The combined sewer overflow tanks were actually built to prevent uh, uh, sewage to go into the creeks that uh, that uh, are are serviced by, you know, our city. There's about 12 or more of them. We have been very, very successful in preventing a lot of material getting into the creeks. Uh, the reason it has a bypass is because if it doesn't, then uh, when it, it gets overwhelmed, uh, all of that material will back up into the basements of all the residents where this material is coming from. Not a good scenario. So it has a bypass. The bypass is controlled by an electronic SCADA system that, that 
monitors all the gates and pumps that uh, make up the system in the city of Hamilton. Unfortunately, the uh, sensor did not pick up that a piece of equipment uh, was partially open, 5% open, and uh, it was not discovered until some four years later. Uh, as soon as the city of Hamilton learned about the mechanical area and gate malfunction, the public was advised of the incident through a media advisory. So a media advisory was sent out. Uh, once the scale of the leak was discovered, Council reported it to the regulatory authority, which is in this case the Ministry of the Environment, Conservation and Parks. Now, admittedly, uh, the uh, the legal department uh, in the city of Hamilton and an outside legal uh, advisor brought in specifically uh, on MOE matters that has you know great expertise uh, advised uh, this council and the previous council to uh, not divulge the entire volume of material that had been. Uh, had been emitted into the uh, as part of the leak, uh, as part of their their mitigation strategy, uh, and since then uh, it, uh, the, the, it's been in the hands of the Ministry of the Environment, and uh, they've uh, been working on the file. They've uh, acknowledged and, and agreed to, and we have agreed to a uh, a cleanup uh, remedial action process on uh, Coots Paradise and Creek, largely dealing with historical contamination. I mean, this this has been going on for generations much much less now than it ever has been in the past but certainly this leak was not a not a pleasant experience so uh, you know what there are many factors that it, that surround this i would say both councils both the previous council and the current council uh, were in a hundred percent agreement on the legal advice both from the uh, outside legal council and the uh, city of hamilton legal staff in terms of recommending that we not divulge the full magnitude of the spill, although the spill was identified through a media advisory. Were the, um, uh, I guess, dismissal, for lack of a better term, of, of Mr. McKinnon and Mr. Grice connected to the Sewergate scandal? Uh, I'm not going to com- comment on personnel issues, and uh, I think that's uh, that's kind of an unfair characterization, but, uh, you know, I can see why some people might leap to that. Uh, but I'm not getting into personnel issues. Those are uh, those are all private uh, to protect the, uh, the the individuals involved. And certainly, uh, I won't be making any comments on uh, on uh, they no longer being with the city of Hamilton. Can we expect any more fallout, firings, fines, anything to that effect? Uh, the Ministry of Environment is uh, you know working through their process. They have a, a, a separate, independent uh, investigation. Uh, investigation process that they deal with through the uh, Ministry of the Environment. Uh, they are a, a branch that uh, that determines whether or not there are going to be fines uh, relative to spills. You know, they're they're not they're not uh, making an assessment on guilt. Um, you know, environmental damage happens on many many occasions, and certainly this was not willful in any way or form. Uh, it was an accident, and unfortunately. They, you know, generally provide, uh, you know, significant finding uh, when these events occur. So we can anticipate there will be some finding involved here. We have no idea at this point what that might be. But part of the uh, the work that we're doing with the MOE is all about the uh, the ongoing remediation of uh, the creek and uh, Coots Paradise, and that's certainly uh, well underway and has been uh, has been agreed to by the Ministry of Environment and the City of Hamilton in terms of the work that we're doing. Uh, one more minute here with uh, Mayor Fred Eisenberger here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. How much is this all going to cost the city? 
Uh, I don't have a figure for you, uh, you know, uh, Rick. Uh, you know, obviously there's a cost to remedial action. You know, it's, it's likely remedial action that we could have, could have done, uh, you know, years ago. Uh, you know, and there are many creeks uh, that uh, that are harmed by Red Hill Creek uh, is another. We have uh, combined sewer overflow tanks that have done enormous amount of benefit, created an enormous amount of benefit uh, because they have prevented a lot of raw sewage getting into the creeks, uh, you know, historically since we put them in. But they do bypass, uh, and we have been getting significant uh, rainstorms, much, much greater than we would have anticipated when these were built in the first place. That has caused, uh, you know, spills to occur both past the sewage treatment plant and past uh, some of the uh, combined sewer overflow tanks. So we can anticipate that uh, that uh, until we find a, you know, multi-multi-billion dollar fix for this problem, uh, and hopefully we can uh, we can mitigate, uh, you know, the, the amount of storms that are, are being created. We are creating larger pipes to handle some of the very significant flows that we're experiencing, looking at all of those kind of parameters to deal with these climate change issues. But in the future, uh, we can uh, we can anticipate that uh, there will be more bypasses because there there that is part of the system that helps prevent uh, this this uh, volume of material getting into the basements of homes in our community. Mayor Fred, uh, thanks for the time today, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, Rick. That is you too. That is Mayor Fred Eisenberger reflecting on the Sewergate scandal and uh, offering his thoughts on uh, what has happened and what will still happen as there's still dredging work and all that uh, stuff to be done. This is Good Morning Hamilton with Rick Zamperin on 900 CHML. While most Ontario restaurants have accepted the vaccine certificate system, there are some in this city that have decided that they are not going to be checking vaccination status of their customers and some of them are located in parts of Hamilton with low vaccination rates. We get some more details from Global's Dave Woodard. In one specific area of Hamilton, the L8L area code, there's currently less than 55% of the eligible population vaccinated. When I told Jenna Graham, owner of the Harbor Diner, that, she said that doesn't sway her decision. I wasn't aware of that, and that has nothing to do with my stand on whether or not vaccinated or unvaccinated people can come into my restaurant. She says the vaccine certificate system isn't well thought out and says she doesn't believe in it, so she's not enforcing it. But Jason Farr, the counselor for the ward the restaurant is in, says maybe she should. In terms of shutting down, quite possibly could be some level of enforcement down the road. Because Harbor Diner and others have been outspoken about not following the rules, Farr says bylaws should come down faster on them to make sure they're implementing the system. Dave Woodard, Global News. Thank you, Dave. Here to give us some more details on what is happening is Councillor Jason Farr for Ward 2, and he joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, Rick, and good morning, Hamilton. And have a great day at school, buddy. <laughs> good, good timing. <laughs> hey, no problem. What do you make of this situation, Jason? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm concerned, quite obviously. I think a lot of people are, and... and um, I'm not surprised. You're probably not either. I mean, this has been a very fluid process, uh, whether it's enforcement or or mandates uh, attached to this unfortunate pandemic worldwide. And so rules change and um, acts are presented to us, in this case, the Reopening Ontario Act. And, uh, you know, you're never going to get 100% of people um, when you're in some ways, dramatically changing uh, the way we are operating from a day-to-day basis, whether we're a business or a, an employee or a kid going to school, like just now. Uh, it, it's it's frustrating for a lot of folks. 
but, you know, rules are rules. Uh, they may change down the road, Rick, but uh, the reality is right now we have, as part of the Reopening Ontario Act, a mandate, a policy to uh, adhere to a, a passport system for restaurants and gyms and, you know, football stadiums and so forth. So if you don't want to follow the rules, you have to have that expectation that there will be enforcement. The province has said there's going to be an education portion of the vaccine certificate program. How long will this education portion last before these businesses are fined or charged? Well, we're certainly participating in that capacity, as we always have really for municipal law enforcement uh, on, on various bylaws that uh, we'll, we'll enforce. Uh, so, so that educational component is ongoing. Uh, how long it lasts? is yet to be determined but uh, in, in this case I, you know i don't to be honest with you think that some of these folks that are getting on social media that own establishments that are being defiant uh are doing anybody any favors because obviously when you're calling attention to the fact that you don't agree with the law the rule of law and you are going to disobey the law the longer that persists the more complaints are coming and those complaints are coming from you know it's safe to say about 80 percent of the local populations which are approximately those folks who are vaccinated and who are uh, trying to cooperate with the law, who want some sense of normalcy, Rick, back in their lives to go to those restaurants that are following the uh, policies, uh, to, to go to those sporting events, to get back to the gym, et cetera, et cetera. And so with their calling and complaining, I mean, we, we have always been, uh, for the most part, complaint-based. We're being proactive in this situation, and we have in others, but for the most part, the more the complaints come in, the more obviously uh, our municipal law enforcement, working in tandem, in this case with uh, 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 Ontario enforcement officials, have to respond to public complaints. We have one more minute with uh, Jason Farr, War 2, so the councillor here in Hamilton on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. What's the likelihood that a local business who does openly defy these rules, um, what's the likelihood that they're shut down? So what I know now is, you know, there's there's an escalating fine that starts at, I think, $1,000 and, and can get up to $10 million. Um, you know, ultimately... We have a reopening Ontario Act, and and the law is currently, uh, and it's all based on the health and well-being and safety of our residents, uh, that you you need to do the passport. You need to follow this uh, protocol. Uh, I I think if you continue to be defiant and you're maxed out from a fine perspective, I think there's there's probably a a strong likelihood. Uh, How that plays out, I, I, I don't... I would hope that we never have to, let's put it this way, I would hope we would never have to exercise that form of enforcement where we need to close down a, a business. But, you know, when I'm hearing on your own program, you know, uh, uh, one defiant restaurant owner just learning that they're in an L8L area code where we only have a 55% take-up rate, therefore health and safety is even more significant as we reopen and, and, and institute mandates like this passport. You know, education might end up working. I would suspect that if they're just learning that they're in a, a low vax rate, low jab rate area of the city, uh, then, you know, there's other things potentially that they're not grasping as it relates to this worldwide pandemic. And hopefully the education piece, which is really important, and how we start this enforcement process uh, plays out and works out well for both parties. Let's hope that's the case. Jason, appreciate the time. Thanks for uh, the time today and enjoy your day. Thanks, Rick. Really enjoying the morning program, sir. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. And I should also, by the way, mention that individuals who present a forged document, 
A forged vaccine certificate system document can uh, face a fine of $750. So, hey, let's follow the rules. Let's keep each other safe. Wake up with the information you need to get the most out of your day. You're listening to Good Morning Hamilton with Rick Zamperin on 900 CHML. The organizers behind Super Crawl putting on a free two-day festival at Hamilton's Bayfront Park. It's called On the Bay, and it goes October 8th and 9th, and it's going to include several performances. Super Crawl's Tim Potasek joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Tim. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. This is a cool idea. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> How did you come up with it, and, and why go forward with this sort of thing? Well, I mean, we're, we've been desperate to execute something larger um, for the community. And, uh, you know, I guess there's, there's a window here of opportunity uh, with respect to, you know, timing. And we really had to rally really quickly our whole team uh, to manage to pull this off uh, in a couple weeks. So it's basically been a month ramp up, and I've never done anything at this scale this quickly. Uh, but I'll be honest, you know, artists are ready, agents are ready, managers are ready, the industry is ready to kind of get back to work in a, in a more fulsome way. And, yeah, we're really excited to, uh, to be able to do something for, for Hamilton. I think music lovers are ready as well. I know there have been a handful of concerts here or there, um, but th- this is going to be an awesome event because it's in town. It's before I think the weather gets uh, bad, which was also probably a consideration of yours as well. Yeah, October is actually quite a great month now, to be honest. We did the first, the funny thing is this is the 12th anniversary of the first Super Crawl. <laughs> so the exact weekend uh, when we did it in October, the first time 12 years ago. So it's kind of a little bit of a nostalgic homecoming on that. And I expect, I expect we'll have some great weather. Um, usually Thanksgiving weekend is really great. It's a good weekend. It's a holiday weekend. People will be around and um, really, really excited. You mentioned the performers were charged up. What was your reaction when you're putting together this plan and then contacting all these musicians and artists? Well, we've been dealing with artists on, uh, you know, a lot like and agents for the last year and a half to two years, uh, you know, around COVID. So we've had lots of contacts, but uh, there's certain artists that don't want to do live streaming, you know, so they've been kind of like quiet. And then there's artists that want to get back to touring, and then people are starting to release more music. So I'll be honest, it was the easiest fastest booking of a two-day you know sort of music festival in a park that i've ever had i I, it took it literally took two days and i was booked wow so uh it happened and came together really quickly um and uh yeah excited for it you know the one thing that we're you know that i'll stress um you may ask the question or may not but we really want people to come as early as possible to the park uh, as far as like, you know, how people are registering, you have to register for a ticket in advance, um, because we are limited to 15,000 a day. We're already, uh, upwards of probably well, we're over a third approaching a half of the tickets already gone in day one. So you definitely know there's a huge demand out there. Uh, people want to get out and see music and, and enjoy the outdoors. So, I would stress to your listeners to get, you know, registered as soon as possible because I suspect they'll be gone by the end of the week. 
And to do so, supercrawl.ca is the website to go to. We're in discussion with Tim Ponisic, co-owner of Sonic Onion and organizer of Supercrawl, is on the Bay Festival. It's going to take place October 8th and 9th. Um, proof of vaccination is going to be a part of this process as well. Why was that important? Uh, it's important. I mean, it's provincially mandated at this point now, too. Uh, we, we mandated it a few weeks before the province and municipality uh, announced that they you know, would allow larger capacities um, if there's double vaccinated people. I mean, really, the reality here is we just want to keep people safe. We want to bring people together and ensure they're safe. And the best way to do that is to ensure that everybody's double vaccinated that enters the park. Um, and uh, I don't know. There's not a whole much, a whole lot more I can say about that. Um, for us to get back to business, I think vaccination is critical. It's a global pandemic. Everybody's got to do what they can for their neighbor, um, and uh, we just need to get back on, you know, back to back to regular life as soon as possible. So, what are uh, the performances that are going to take place on October eighth and 9th as part of the On the Bay Festival? Who's coming out? Uh, we have uh, we have a partnership that is really unique that I'm really excited for. So, we're working with the Something Else Else Festival, which is a small like improvisational avant-garde jazz festival that happens also uh, in the park over the summer. So we're collaborating with them. So they're programming a stage for us with a whole pile of performers from really all over a bunch of American artists that are coming up and Canadian um, improvisational uh, jazz artists. And then we are programming a little bit more of a, you know, a little bit more hipster style festival like we typically would do with uh, Supercrawl. Um, Again, quite uh, eclectic in our taste. Um, and the artists that we've booked. So if everyone from Willie Watson, who is coming up from the U.S., um, to uh, this is on the Friday, to uh, pop star Kaiza and uh, the Hallucination. Hallucination was a tribe called Red, if people are familiar with them, uh, Aboriginal act that have, uh, uh, you know, um, Aboriginal dancers, and it's just, it's an incredible show. Super fun, party, party kind of vibe. So that's our Friday night. And then on Saturday, um, we're working with a whole pile of uh, different types of things from uh, Tim Baker, um, from uh, Half Moon Run, Tara Lightfoot, local artist, um, to Mono Whales, who have kind of a hit single on the radio right now. And then our main headliner on Saturday night is uh, the DFA Death from Above from Toronto. Uh, really popular, uh, two-paced, sort of heavier uh, rock electronic band. Um, it's going to draw, you know, big, big numbers for these artists. And, uh, yeah, excited to have them all. We got uh, a minute left. Could this Bayfront Park event, the On the Bay Festival, uh, someday become an annual thing along with the traditional, quote-unquote, super crawl on James North? Uh, well, you've kind of hit the nail on the head. We have done some things in the park before. We did the National a few years ago in a different park. Uh, it's something that Supercrawl is really trying to move forward with doing, like offering that huge free festival for the whole community um, in September every year. But on top of that, we're starting to promote shows uh, at a venue called Bridgeworks, and we're also uh, looking to do a lot more other activations in parks around the city moving forward so it's uh, 365 basically we want to be promoting that super crawl brand for the community tim this is a great idea looking forward to this show and i know thousands of others are as well thanks for joining us today 
Thank you. Tim Pontus, a co-owner of Sonic Onion and organizer of Supercrawl. Supercrawl taking over Bayfront Park on October 8th and 9th. Visit supercrawl.ca to pre-register for Supercrawl on the Bay. Should be an exciting weekend on Thanksgiving weekend. How about some news and opinion to go with your coffee? This is Good Morning Hamilton with Rick Zamperin on 900 CHML. Difficult decisions await an L.A. Superior Court judge today at what could be a pivotal hearing in the conservatorship controlling the life and money of one Britney Spears. The first rule of the conservatorship was you don't talk about the conservatorship. Not much was really known about what was going on behind the scenes. Her manager said, don't get too close. People have a way of disappearing. They were monitoring everything. It has been hard to come forward. We signed those NDAs, but this is important. This is a interesting story. Underlined, bold front, uh, maybe color it red. Uh, Morgan Hoffman is a reporter with ET Canada, and she joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Morgan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. I don't know. Interesting might be an understatement. This is a wild roller coaster ride. This is very wild. And, and to think that this is a conservatorship that's been going on for 13 years, that in, 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 you know, over the past couple of years, her fans have been rallying for the end of this conservatorship, feeling like they were giving a voice to Britney when she didn't have it. And then to see everything come to light over the past couple of months, the fact that Britney was able to hire her own lawyers and then everything that has happened, you know, in a very short amount of time in terms of her being allowed to get her own lawyer, uh, speaking out against the conservatorship. And now we're here today waiting to see if a judge is either going to end the conservatorship, uh, will continue with the conservatorship, but change uh, the conservator, which Jamie Spears, her father, has said, you know, I'm okay to step down uh, or leave everything as is. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. So is there any guess on your part on what might happen? What, what's the likeliest scenario? Well, I think what's interesting about this is that her father, Jamie Spears, you know, he, he was really defending everything that's gone on over the past, you know, 13 years. But recently, he also has, uh, and his lawyer and his team, uh, have put in a petition to end the conservatorship. Um, we know that once Brittany got her own lawyer, she also has, has both, you know, said out loud that she also wants the end of the conservatorship. So you have two people here who uh, are both coming to the judge filing these recent petitions saying, let's end this conservatorship. People are saying it's not as easy as that. When something's been in place for 13 years, we're going to see this happen in phases. Um, and I think everybody just wants to make sure that Brittany is, is going to have a proper evaluation. Both teams have said she shouldn't have to go through an evaluation uh, for the conservatorship to end. But people are still saying there's a lot of money here. We want to make sure everything's okay. So I think we're going to see this in steps. But I do think we will see the end of this conservatorship, but it's going to take some time. We're chatting with Morgan Hoffman, reporter with ET Canada here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with you. Um, you mentioned her fans have been ultra supportive of her. Um, you know, the the Brittany uh, nation, if you will, has really supported her in these dire times. And this obviously is all about, you know, the money. Is the fear that, you know, if this ends, she's just going to go wild and crazy and blow her fortune? Well, I think that is a concern for a lot of people. Um, you know, say what you will about the family, they will always say they looked out for her best interest, that they were always looking out for the finances, uh, that they were always 
out looking out for her best interests. Of course, you'll have her fans saying, you know, at this age, for this amount of years, you know, you're not, you're, you don't have her best interests at, at heart. So, you know, you have this free Britney movement who feel like they have been this voice for her, that they have essentially felt like they've been able to give her the confidence to speak out. But yeah, I mean, she just got engaged and, and already we're seeing, uh, you know, the free Britney movement's very excited for her, but then you have questions about we'll make sure there's a prenup in there and and you know her fiance uh they've been together for years now but there's still a concern you know she's britney spears she has so much money behind her and so i think everyone just wants to make sure that everything's okay and that this isn't all just going to end and then she's free to do what she wants i know a lot of people want that her fans but i just think everyone needs to take this in slow steps <laughs> yeah we should we should also mention that she's 39 not you know 13 know. or 15 what has this whole ordeal done to britney's brand well, for a really long time, you know, we were still seeing her perform. During this conservatorship, she was in Vegas. There was songs coming out. We were still seeing a very, you know, from what we could see on the outside, uh, somebody who still was enjoying their job, who was enjoying performing for people. Um, but what's been so heartbreaking is to hear what this conservatorship has done to her. And we heard her in court in June. You know, a lot of people are talking today, like, will, will Brittany make an appearance? Will she make an appearance with Zoom? Uh, we don't know that for sure. Some people are saying, no, we, we won't hear from her. But we did hear her um, in the courts uh, in this past summer. And she did talk about how unhappy she's been and how she wasn't able to make her own decisions. And now these documentaries are coming out and say what you will about those. Some people are saying, well, this is exploitative. But we are hearing that there was, a, you know, apparently, illegal surveillance uh, by her father for years. So there's just a lot going on, and, and it paints this picture now that, you know, the, the, the woman we were seeing performing and having a good time over the past several years, it, it really wasn't the case. It is a strange and uh, at the same time fascinating story. Morgan, we'll have to leave it there. Really appreciate the time today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Morgan Hoffman, reporter with ET Canada, joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton. Serving up a healthy dose of news, traffic, and engaging opinion. This is Good Morning Hamilton with Rick Zamperin on 900 CHML. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Zamprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.